in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in. It is so good to be here. Uh, back with another episode of the Sports Hour. Episode 157. We are live on YouTube and Twitter. If you're joining us live tonight uh, on the stream, uh, hello. Thanks for joining. Uh, let us know in the comments if you're tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast in the future, hello. Uh, thanks for listening. Mitch, we've got a jam-packed show tonight. I cannot wait. Obviously, NFL heavy this time of year. Uh, divisional round recap to start off the podcast. We'll do championship uh, Sunday preview at the end. Uh, we've got a very fun draft idea uh, on the back half of the podcast. I want to let you tell the people what we got, though, because uh, this was your idea. You came up with this <laughs> draft idea, so I want to let you explain what we're what we're what we'll be doing. Oh, well, you know, Dallin, I'm a I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy, and everyone loves a good big guy. And so today yes. we're going to be drafting our favorite sports big guys. Yes. So um, it, it should be a lot of fun. It should be, it, it's going to be a fantastic draft. Everyone loves to see the big guy plays, you know, the defensive tackle scooping up a fumble, running it back for a touchdown. There's the big John Henderson play, I think happened mm -hmm. or, or uh, what well, maybe it wasn't John Henderson, but uh, Oh, it was uh, Sam Adams, that Jaguars player. Oh, yes. Up yes. A, a yes. Fumble and, um, but you know, everyone loves big, a good big guy, and so we're going to be drafting our favorite big guys. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll be very fun. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, we've got. Uh, I, I don't know about you. I'm sure your list is is deep. Uh, my list is deep, and dare I say, thick, uh, full Ooh. of big guys. So uh, I cannot thick wait. Thick with three C's. Uh, <laughs> thick with three C's. A bunch of news and notes to get into, and uh, so let's. Uh, let's let's get into it, Mitch. Let's not waste any more time here on episode 157. Before we get to the news, and you know we got to hear the we got to hear the news. We got to get get the intro. Uh, I do want to point out uh, on the live stream here, Mitch. You got a great hat. Uh, oh, Mitch thanks. always brings the fire hats. So instead of forgetting to the very end of the podcast, I remembered to do it at the beginning. Mitch, tell the people uh, what you got on the on the head today. We got a uh, a gorgeous Tacoma Rainiers hat, AAA affiliate mm. for the Seattle Mariners. And this one is sentimental and special to me because I got this hat at the, at the Rainier Stadium in Tacoma at your bachelor party. Yes. Where we uh, we got warned to stop heckling Jamile Weeks or we were going to get kicked <laughs> out. So 
we were heckling the shit out of those minor league baseball players and it was a great time uh it was a great time i love that i love that it's also a great looking hat i know if you're listening to the podcast you can't see this maybe another reason to uh schedule out on your wednesday evenings and join us here on the live stream uh but if you're watching you can see it uh, it's got the the Rainier, Mount Rainier in the background with uh, like the pickaxe. It's an it, like an alternate little logo, but it uh, looks great. It's fantastic. Love yeah, it's it. One, it's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. One of my best fit in hats. So mm, it's a yeah. good one. It, it looks good on you, my friend. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All righty. Let's not waste any more time, Mitch. We've got uh, to get into the meat of the podcast, and we got to do that with the news. That's right. Let's get into the news notes around the world of sports. Say a tattoo or a to telephone. Woo! Man. Samoan for let's get into the news. I love that. Holy cow. I knew that was coming, Mitch, and even I wasn't prepared for that. That was great. That was incredible. I probably I, butchered the pronunciation of that, but you know. Hey, you get A for effort, my friend, uh, and that is important. As you can see, we're going multilingual here on the bottom. Those are, uh, if you don't speak all those languages, that's just news. It's the word news over and over again, because uh, that's what the segment is. It's a bunch of news. We thought that was fitting uh, here on the little scroll. Uh, but Mitch. I'm going to change the scroll because we do got to start this uh, whole thing off with a divisional round recap uh, because the NFL uh, divisional round passed us this weekend, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and uh, we'll we'll get into each matchup. But I do want to say to start after what was an incredible wild card round, the divisional games collectively kind of stunk. There weren't many great games as great as some of the matchups were, we were very, uh, you know, highly anticipating those, you know, ultimately the games themselves, uh, not a lot to really be excited about in general. No, I mean, it, it was, uh, I, I feel like there's always one stinker of a round every year though. And yeah, thankfully it was the divisional and not like the conference championship games. But by the way, Hopefully. we'll get in, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get into those. We got some great matchups, but, um, yeah, the divisional round was just kind of a stinker. It was, mm. um, you know, a Cinderella team that was trying to make a, a deep playoff run. We had a blowout of a team that was a Super Bowl favorite and um, a very low scoring affair of two teams that could have absolutely put on a banger but failed to produce. So, and then we had a blowout. So it was just yep. not very good, not very good at all. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into these games. We'll start with that first game on Saturday in the AFC Chiefs and Jaguars. Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, and Chiefs get it done at home, twenty-seven to twenty. Mitch Chiefs led this game twenty to ten, heading into the fourth quarter. We're they were in control for for the majority of this game. It's not not that Jacksonville wasn't competitive, but uh, you know the Chiefs. Uh, sort of knew the game plan. And that's even with what happened to Patrick Mahomes early in the game where he uh, suffers that ankle injury, uh, briefly comes out of the game, comes back in and plays uh, plays through it. And they were able to win, you know, not without him because he was certainly there, but 
without needing the heroics of Patrick Mahomes that we've seen so often, especially in the playoffs. And that's a great sign uh, for the Chiefs in that game. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways from Kansas City's win uh, here in the divisional round? I mean, I talked about it last week, um, and they did exactly what I told them not to do, which was play down to their opponent, and that's exactly yeah. what they did. Um, granted, you know, the Patrick Mahomes uh, ankle injury was uh, definitely not helping their case, um, but this game was also just much closer than it needed to be. Uh, there was clearly a better team on the field. It wasn't like, a, oh, maybe the Jags got a shot. It was like, a, well, how long can the Jags hang on for? And the Chiefs kind of let him hang on for far too long. And they stayed in this ball game uh, from the first snap. Um, A great run by the Jags. Uh, It's fun to see at least one of those teams, you know, make a deep playoff push and and try to keep pushing forward. Um, I I am going to venture out and say that uh, we should – not be sleeping on the Jacksonville Jaguars anymore. This team is just a couple years away from being really, really special. Um, and I think that they showed the potential of what they can become if they stay the course in just a couple years. Um, playing competitive with the Chiefs, getting through that wild card round. Um, it was an impressive showing by Jacksonville and Kansas City on the other end has really, really got to show up. They didn't show up last week. They, they're they lucky they were playing the Jags because if they didn't show up and they were playing hmm. the Bengals last week, I don't think we're talking about Kansas City going forward. So um, uh, they just kind of lucked out with who they were matched up with. I wasn't impressed by the Chiefs, and I was actually more impressed with the losing team in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I didn't think the Chiefs played great by any means. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I think a lot of it is hard with, uh, you know, Mahomes being uh, hobbled and not being in a position to be at full health and full strength. And obviously that makes a huge difference. I thought it, it was encouraging uh, that they able to get the run game, uh, continue the run game going. The run game's been pretty good for them this year, despite, you know, rolling through a couple guys. They sort of found Isaiah Pacheco as a really reliable uh, back. And uh, they were able to rely on that in this game to just to get it done. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, I think the defense stepped up late able to force two turnovers in the fourth quarter that helped them seal that win when they needed it. And, and, and yeah, like you said, they, you know, maybe played down to their opponent more than they should have. And I think that that's a fair estimation and we'll see, uh, you know, what it looks like next week against Cincinnati, you know, where last year in the AFC championship game, maybe they overlooked Cincinnati because they were a wild card uh, team, right? Or no, they, they were, they won their division, but they were 10 and seven coming off a bad season. Uh, you know, maybe they overlooked Cincinnati last year. They certainly won't be doing that on Sunday. I can, I can only imagine. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they are lucky. They were playing Jacksonville. They didn't get a matchup like Buffalo did, uh, with, with a better team where if you come out flat, you know, you're not going to win that one. Right. No, a hundred percent. I mean, you just, they, you talked about elite quarterback play. You talked about teams being sharp last week, and mm-hmm. this is that time of year where you just it can't happen. Yeah, it can't not happen because yep. it, it could end your year. It could end your year really, really quick. Absolutely, yeah. And speaking of sharp, Mitch, we'll go to the next game. That Saturday night game, uh, the Eagles looking like, in my opinion, the NFC favorite. I think after the Niners' performance in the wild card weekend, a lot of people wanted to 
jump on the Niners as they should be the NFC favorite, and rightfully so. They have a very strong case. We'll get into that a little later, but you know, we kind of forgot because the Eagles weren't playing that this was a 14-win team that was the best team in that conference all season long, and they put it on the Giants in a 38-7 to win. They led 28 to nothing at halftime. Uh, it was it was over at halftime. Uh, Giants mustered just one touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, and uh, that was it. Relentless run game, 268 yards on 44 carries on the ground. And uh, Mitch, you mentioned this last week in the preview that the Eagles had to recognize that they were playing a opponent they could beat and to not overly rely on Jalen Hurts. You actually, I want to give you some credit here because you nailed your preview. You said, don't rely on Jalen Hurts, know who you're playing, take advantage of the deep pass game, run the ball, and you'll be fine. And that's literally what they did. And uh, I thought the game plan was perfect. And I mean, clearly when you win 38 to seven, uh, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. And I think this is, this is going to have to be a, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead too far. Um, on what on what we're doing here, but they're going to have to consider this moving forward if they want to get to the big show, right? If they mm. if they want to be playing on Super Bowl Sunday, they're going to have to consider this game plan, um, in some capacity. Now, I know that they, Jalen Hurts actually they didn't use him much at all. He threw the ball twenty four times. He ran the ball nine times. He was two through the air, one on the ground, and that I think is a good balance. Oh right, yeah, for Jalen Hurts, I think that's a good balance because they are able to use. Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders and and really attack the run game with something other than Jalen Hurts using his legs. Um, I think that's something that they're really going to have to consider uh, moving forward as they go into uh, this conference championship round. Um, just a, a, a this was a fantastic performance by the Eagles and yeah. Um, damn, it's going to make it tough to pick this <laughs> pick this conference championship game <laughs> yeah. because. If, yep. if you if you thought that San Francisco looked good, man, Dallas probably was the most impressive team of the weekend. Mm, yeah, I yeah, you mean Philly? Or, excuse me, Philly, Philly, not. Dallas. I know what Dallas you meant. Was like... <laughs> Dallas was yes. not impressive. I meant yes. Philly. Uh, no, no, no. Philly was extremely impressive, and uh, you know, you just, I mean, this team is loaded everywhere, right? And that's what it felt like in this game. And you know, for the Giants, Mitch, I don't, I don't take anything away from this. This is the result that I expected. I mean, not like 28, nothing at halftime per se, but you know, this giants team is not on the same level as the Eagles. Uh, we know that. And at this time of year, it was proven. And this giants team is a great story. They overperformed in a lot of ways. You saw a lot of progress in positive ways, but it is a team with a lot of holes and a lot of questions still. That's just a matter of fact. They're in year well, one of Brian Dable. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And so, you know, you lose the divisional round. It's great. You got there. You guys won a playoff game. I mean, that's an incredible season for the Giants and a lot to build on for Brian Dable and this coaching staff. So I, I don't take anything really negative away from this other than it just reminds you of this is still a work in progress and that's OK. Yeah, they're definitely headed in the right direction. I think that New York football has suffered so much over the last few years. The mediocrity of the Jets, the mediocrity of the Giants. Um, they're headed in the right direction. But let me let's be honest. When when we kind of had the good idea that the Giants were gonna make the playoffs, this was about as far as we figured they would go. 
like at the, at the best, yeah, at the best. Yeah. Like, like you know, yeah. they they could probably win their wild card matchup, and but they're going to get knocked out in the divisional round. This is about right. as far as we can go. They can go. Exactly. So, um, they met expectations based off their performance of what we saw this year. Um, clearly, that performance was an overperformance of what we expected them to do preseason. Um, but a good solid year for the Giants. Brian Dable, Wink Martindale, they have something cooking over there. Um, and they need to keep this shit pointed the right direction because a lot of things are going right in New York for them, or at least for yeah, the Giants. I, so, yeah, absolutely. No, and I mean the Jets are they're doing pretty good. Not as not as they're good all as, right. the, as, hey, as, I, as the Giants, but the, hey, you know, things are hopefully looking better for them. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I am getting, I am excited to get into more of the offseason discourse around the Giants. What to do around Daniel Jones? He is a free agent. They could franchise tag him if they bring him back. What sort of numbers and deal are we looking at? Is that the Whoa, best? I could tell you case moving need. forward. It's I'm excited to get into that. We'll save that for a podcast in the coming weeks, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I got again, things I, to say, Dallin. I got things to I, say. I mean, I'm ready too, but we got right. we got so okay. much to talk about, so we'll save Fine. it. Uh, we'll we'll go to Sunday, Mitch. Two games on Sunday, and we'll start with the other AFC matchup and our most anticipated matchup. One of the probably the most anticipated matchups of the entire playoffs: Bengals and Bills. With what every everything that happened on that Monday night in Cincinnati, with just how good these teams are in fa- facing off in Buffalo, and uh, this game wasn't good at all it was a Bengals uh it was a Bengals dominant win and you know I I I said that I picked the Bengals on the podcast last week Mitch and I told you right that I just had a feeling like I just I didn't know the the Bills made so much sense it made so much sense that they were going to win that game and make it to the AFC championship but I just had a feeling that the Bengals were just going to do it. We were going to sit here and be like, why didn't we see Chiefs Bengals? Why didn't we just pencil that in? And and, and here we are. The Bengals win this game uh, 27 to 10. Uh, they led 17-7 at halftime. They they pull this thing off in a reasonably easy fashion. And I am really just perplexed on what to make of the performance of the bills in this one. I thought we could get into the Bengals in a second because I obviously think they did some good things, but man, the Bengals or the bills just really threw up a dud. That's really what it felt like. They just threw up a dud. This is how do I, you know what? No, I'm not going to put it lightly. I'm not going to put it lightly. This is the most pathetic performance I've ever seen from a dominant offensive team. Hmm. The bills offensively have been dominant all year long. And that was absolutely pathetic. It falls on Josh Allen, his inability to take care of the football. It falls on Ken Dorsey and his passive, pathetic, lackluster play calling. Mm -hmm. It falls on Leslie Frazier for his lack of ability for his just outright denial. just like his refusal to send anything more than four at him. It falls on the front office for not being able to get an, a, a reliable run game on that offense, something that they can lean on. You're playing in Buffalo, New York. Orchard Park, excuse me. Let's be specific <laughs> and correct here. You're playing in Orchard Park, New York. It's snowing. It is your ideal football, playoff football weather right the buffalo bills should be able to thrive in snowy playoff football 
And what do you do? Bubble screen, bubble screen, bubble screen, two-yard gang, bubble screen, bubble screen, third and two, bomb the ball 40 yards down the field, and don't just get the first down. I mean, it was it was confusing, doesn't even doesn't even fit for what we saw from the Buffalo Bills this weekend. It was pathetic. It was disappointing. And if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, I I am absolutely just distraught with how uninterested the Bills looked in moving on to the next round because this play calling was absolutely horrific. It was atrocious. It's it's amazing how within uh, the span of a week the feelings around the future, the direction of a franchise can suddenly change. Oh, and it was, it feels, it feels like in the span of a week, we went from like the bills are legit. They're up there. They're, you know, we're, we're, they're contenders, contenders. And, and all of a sudden it's like, are but, you but, know, but, what, what are they? Are they going to fall short? Well, can they even achieve that? Like, are, are these coaches even good? Are the, is this roster even good? And a week ago we would have been convinced that all those things were true. And, uh, I just, you know, I, I here's 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 the thing is I I think the coaches are good. We know the talent is good on the field. the The execution was pathetic. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was non-existent. There was no. It it almost felt like they just showed up and wanted to play and see what happened. Just gonna wing it, like no execution, no game planning, none whatsoever. I mean, I I want to like throw. They just expected to win the game. Yeah, and I don't you know? want to throw the blame on any, you know, on any two people in particular, but I'm going to, and it's Ken Dorsey and Leslie Frazier. I mean, it was it was bad. It yep. was really bad execution on the coordinator's parts. I mean, just inexcusable. Inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, four twelve on third down uh, for the Bills' offense in this one. Eight penalties for the team compared to just two for the Bengals. Uh, and you know, and that makes a huge difference. Only able to rush for. Uh, 63 yards on 19 carries. And, uh, you know, you talk about the run game, Mitch. I mean, it's, it's beyond just, uh, I, I think, I think part of my thought on the bills is that I, I think Josh Allen has masked a lot of the issues that have existed on this team and in this configuration for years, these aren't new issues. This offensive line has always been average at best, but they've gotten away with it because of Josh Allen and because of Stefan Diggs and because of some of the explosiveness on this offense, but their inability to run the ball is a problem of that running back room and also that offensive line. And if they want to be better, they have to have an elite offensive line. I mean, look at the teams left in this conference championship round. Almost all of them have elite offensive lines, the Eagles, the Niners, the Chiefs, the Bengals don't have an elite offensive line, but they invested heavily in it in this offseason because of what a detriment it was to them last season, and particularly in the Super Bowl, right? And so, like, you need to improve on that. That would be my biggest focus this offseason is we just need to just flat out get better at that position across the board. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that it is average. And when it comes down to it, it's cost them their inability to run the ball, become one dimensional. It's cost them year after year. And that needs to be addressed. So it's, I mean, it's fascinating. We, I didn't see this coming clearly. I mean, I thought if, even if they lost, it would be an ultra competitive close game. I did not see, uh, you know, 
this pitiful performance from the Bills. If I, honestly, if I'm if I'm Josh Allen, I'm putting my foot down. I'm putting my foot down and looking, look, saying, "Hey, look, I'm the cornerstone of what you guys are building right now." And damn it, we got to get someone that can run the football in here. You mm-hmm. you got you got to put your foot down at some point, be a team pl- and be a team guy. I know Josh Allen's a team guy. I'm not questioning that, but you have to you have to put your foot down and go, look, we need something different because Devin Singletary and James Cook, I know he's I know he's young, right? But right. it's not it's not cutting it. It's not cutting Naheem Hines, it's not cutting it. We have to do something different. Yep. And they've been they've been struggling with it for three or four, you know, the last three years. The last three years they've been successful. They've been struggling with yep. it. It's been the whole story since Josh Allen's been the quarterback. You know, it's that it, it's never like I said. I think it's been something that's been masked. Uh, and you don't you know, have just, to find the next Thurman Thomas. Okay, you just have to find something better than what you got. That's all you yeah. got to do. Absolutely. Uh, for the Bengals in this, Mitch, I, I, this is just a good team. Uh, this is just a team that I, I think uh, in this play in these two games, what we've learned is that this is a team that learned a lot of lessons through that playoff run last year. They just seem like they know what to expect now. They're prepared. They know the drill. The game plan is solid. The players know what they're doing on offense and defense. They just play effectively. Two penalties in this game, no turnovers. You know, uh, Joe Burrow's just getting the ball out. They ran the ball efficiently. The defense did enough, and, you know, they they cruised to a win. And it's like this Bengals team is going to efficient you to death. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, they just they do all the little things right. They just do all the little things right, and Joe Burrow is fantastic. Joe Mixon ran the ball very effectively. and you know Joe Burrow is finding other guys, guys other than just Jamar Chase and and T Higgins to throw the ball to, right? He found Hayden Hurst five times for you know this game for yeah. fifty nine and a touchdown. He's finding other guys to get the ball to, and um, you know, just they're a well oiled machine. They're and yep. they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem next week for Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Can't wait to talk about that uh, matchup later in the podcast. One more divisional round game to recap, though, Mitch, and that is Niners and Cowboys. San Francisco getting it done at home 19 to 12 in a slow defensive battle in San Francisco. And uh, not very surprising, honestly, because these were two of the best defenses in the league uh, this season. And, uh, you know, expected it to be more of a low scoring affair. I think my biggest takeaway from this game, Mitch, is just ultimately a lot of disappointment in the Cowboys. Not that like I I mean, I was teetering with picking them in this game. I felt like they had a legitimate shot and technically they did. I mean, they had a shot at the end of it that, by the way, that end of game play with Zeke oh. Elliott at center snapping the ball. I mean, what if there's I mean, a play to summarize Mike McCarthy in this Cowboys era? I mean, it's that like, what are we doing? That rivals that. I mean, that play rivals the Griff Whalen, Pat McAfee play. Oh, in, in yeah. Indianapolis. I mean, it's, that, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It, how that, bad I mean, was. but just a disappointing performance overall for this Cowboys. T- I will say this deep, this offense for the Cowboys, because the Cowboys defense did what they needed to do. Held this Niners uh, team to 19 points, uh, right? Forced a turnover. Uh, you know, I thought that the Cowboys defense did enough in this game. But for an offense that looked so good last week and seemed like, you know, Dak and them had finally figured it out. 
they can't run the ball at all. Uh, Pollard gets injured in this game, but 76 rushing yards on 22 attempts. And when the run game isn't going for the Cowboys, then Dak and that passing game can't do anything. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, and, and that's the case in this game. He throws two picks and uh, not very efficient. And that's that's the game. You know, they they lose this game. And the opportunities were there because their defense kept them in it. That, that Dallas defense is legit. I don't know. I just wonder like what, how this Dallas team evolves to the next level. How does what with what it's currently constructed, how does it, how do they take that step from really good regular season team? that's going to be a playoff team to Super Bowl contender. Cause to me, I think the talent is there for the most part. Uh, this is one of the more talented rosters in the NFL, uh, but they seem up to come short. I, I Part of me feels like schemes and fit and what we're doing on offense. Part of it, I mean, obviously the over-reliance on the running back and uh, Zeke, his inefficiency as a, as a running back. I mean, there are just some questions, but that's one of my biggest takeaways from this is just uh, this very much just feels like the ceiling. This is just where they're going to be and, I, you know, unless they tear it down and try to rebuild it again, I don't know how they progress to anything better than this. That's just the Cowboys for you. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, is maybe, maybe <laughs> this is now 27 years, 28 yeah. years since their last Super Bowl. That's we were like two Cowboys and a half play. years old, you 1995, know, 1995. <laughs> that's when it last happened. Um, th- that's just the Cowboys for you. And um, I think they're a good team. I think they're a great team. I think Jerry Jones has to give up some of the responsibilities. I believe he's still the acting GM for the Cowboys. So, like, they they have to somehow pry that responsibility away from him. Um, But in this, also, when you just look at, like, the raw product that's on the field – in the same vein that I'm critical of Ken Dorsey this week, I'm critical of Kellen Moore. Oh, yeah. Kellen Moore oh, was yeah. bad this week. I mean, just really bad in his play calling. And that's back-to-back years in the playoffs that his play calling has just been a problem. It's been a big problem. It just problem. hasn't been good enough, you know? But on the flip side, I want to take a little bit of a victory lap. Because <laughs> I said D'Amico Ryan's going to have to come up with the best defensive game plan he Mm. has ever put together and my guy Tomiko did it (laughs) I mean what a performance by the San Francisco 49ers defense I mean that this defense is but we talked about it all year long it's legit it's legit it's legit and damn it they rose the occasion and they got it done so credit to that entire unit credit to D'Amico Ryan's Credit to Kyle Shanahan. Um, it was a tight one, but darn it, you got it done. You got it done against one of the best teams in the NFL, and you're going to go in and play an even tougher opponent. Philly's a better team than Dallas. You're going to go oh, play yeah. another team. You're going to go play an even better opponent. Can you take that next leap? And I think that we talked about this being a, this last week being a test for San Francisco. Here's the real test. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think those two are the best teams left in this playoffs, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a 
a dogfight. I mean, just yep. a knockdown, drag out brawl between Philadelphia and San Francisco. Oh yeah, that's going to be a great matchup. And you know, I think you know part of uh, my not wavering, but you know my thought on potentially taking Dallas was hesitation around Brock Purdy and what we know or don't know about him. And, you know, in this game, he was, I thought he was fine. He didn't, uh, obviously wasn't great, but he didn't really make any mistakes and, uh, you know, was efficient and that's what they need from their quarterback in the playoffs. We saw the Super Bowl run a few years ago and that's all they asked from Jimmy Garoppolo. So if Purdy can do that. That's great. Now, again, though, they played a Cowboys offense that scored 12 points and was inept at times. And this Eagles offense will not be that on Sunday. So they're going to need him to not just, you know, be uh, efficient. They're going to need him to be good. And so, uh, as you said, a bigger test with the Eagles on the road next week. Championship Sunday is going to be great. I mean, what what oh, yeah. great matchups we have in the AFC and NFC. Oh, fantastic matchups. I do just want to add before we move on. Um, we talked about Brock Purdy. Are the wheels going to fall off? Are mm-hmm. we, are we going to see, okay, great run kid, but your, your time has come pretty much. What I saw from Brock Purdy this weekend was an immense sign of maturity. Mm-hmm. Things weren't necessarily going his way all game, right? No, he had to face a lot of adversity, tough Cowboys defense. He just took care of the football and he's like, Hey, I don't have to have the numbers. I don't have to have the big game. I don't have to be the glory chaser. I'm just going to take care of the football and do what needs to get done. And he went out and got it done. So, yep. you know, the 29 yep. for 19, two fourteen didn't throw a touchdown, but he didn't throw a pick. He didn't fumble the right. ball away. He took care of it. And that shows an immense amount of maturity in the young Brock Purdy to me. 100%. 100%. It'll be uh it'll be fun. We'll get into those matchups uh here at the end of the podcast, but uh we'll get into the rest of our news and notes from around the world of sports here and a few news and notes from the NFL as we're still in this vein. It were being reported by ESPN and Adam Schefter uh that the New England Patriots have agreed to a deal Uh, to bring back Bill O'Brien, former offensive coordinator, uh, to be the offensive coordinator for the Patriots next season. Uh, He has spent the last two years as the offensive coordinator at Alabama under Nick Saban, Uh, began his NFL career back in 2007 with the Patriots, was their offensive coordinator from 2009 to 2011, before he became the head coach of Penn State, and then the Houston Texans, then rehabilitated uh, his career in Alabama, as many coaches do, makes the move back up to the NFL. And this made so much sense. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed by the Patriots yet. They haven't announced that he's the guy. But, I mean, when Schefter and he has been reporting it, probably, uh, you know, bound to happen here any day. But, uh, I mean, this is a no-brainer fit. This offensive, uh, no offensive coordinator this year. Matt Patricia is the offensive coordinator. I mean, that that was just a mess. I don't know what. Belichick and New England was thinking with that. So I I think this was a perfect fit um, and not very much of a surprise for a hire. Let me be an Alabama fan one more time, just for a quick yeah. minute. Thank God he's gone out 
uh, out of Alabama. <laughs> Thank God the offense has suffered. The city of Tuscaloosa should be rejoicing right now that Bill O'Brien is no longer the offensive coordinator in Alabama because you know what? He had all the tools over there in Alabama to have a national championship winning team, and he called certain games like dog crap. Big games. <laughs> big games he didn't call yeah. well. And thank God he's finally out of Tuscaloosa. Like I said, the state of Al- the whole state of Alabama should be rejoicing for that. On the flip side, it's a good fit. I yep. like this hire, actually. And I think it's a great fit because he gets teamed up back with Mac Jones. Um Mm-hmm. A former Alabama guy, they're going to, you know, the, his system kind of what he had at Houston fits a little bit what Bill Belichick does over there in New England. So, you know, there's there's some similarities in, in uh, philosophy. So I, I, I really do actually think that this fit's actually going to work out. Um, like you said, Matt Patricia at offensive coordinator was an absolute disaster. I don't know what they were thinking. Our defensive guy calling offense. I don't know what yeah. they were doing there, but um, I'm happy he's out of Alabama, <laughs> but I think it's a good fit for him to go back to New England. I think this is a really good fit for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mitch, other bit of news. Uh, they AP has announced the award finalists for the NFL. So we talked NFL awards. So we'll just briefly go through these. Uh, not a lot of surprises here in these finalists, uh, but we will discuss MVP finalists. There are five, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes. Those are the correct five players to be on the list. So good job yep. there. Uh, yep, offensive no player, Yeah, offensive player of the year, uh, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, not really surprised. I know we both picked Justin Jefferson, but I do think there maybe is a shot that they uh, give though Jalen Hurts a bone, if you will, and because he won't win MVP but had such a good season and contributed as a runner that perhaps he gets Offensive Player of the Year as a concession, uh, as a narrative award. I Obviously, we both picked Jefferson for good reason, but I'm just saying that now, so if it happens, uh, you know, we can look back at this, but uh, covering all your bases, I like it. I'm just saying, I mean, could you see it though? It's like, oh, we can't give him MVP, but oh, he was the best offensive weapon. So I'll tell you what, you I can see, I can see it, but damn, I would really question how they vote on this if that happens. I don't know, yeah, yeah, I'm but, with you. I'm with yeah. you. I mean, we both picked uh, Justin Jefferson for a reason. Uh, defensive Player of the Year, Mitch finalist Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, and Micah Parson. Those are uh, our two picks, right? Bosa and Chris Jones. Or I we both picked uh, Bosa. I think I'd mentioned Jones as somebody I, I yeah. thought I wanted to consider there. No surprise there in those finalists. Those are pretty. Those are the chalk, chalk. Spot on. Uh, Coach of the year: Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan. Mm, Not really yeah. surprised. Not. I mean, I don't know. I think that's I... pretty, pretty straightforward. I'm, I mean, I picked O'Connell. I am a little surprised he wasn't a finalist, but. I can See, understand. I, I, I can understand why he wasn't, you know. And I feel the same way about Nick Sirianni. I, right. I, I think right. if there's one I'd throw out, it's Peterson. But given the circumstances, he definitely They had the number there, one so. pick in the draft last yeah. year, and then they, you know, made, won the division. So it's hard not to, you know, and then with Dable, same thing. So, yeah, no, I, no, no issues there. Offensive rookie of the year, Kenneth Walker, Garrett Wilson, and Brock Purdy. I do have an issue here, Mitch. I do have Uh-oh. an issue here with Brock Purdy. And I and this is not a disrespect to Brock Purdy at all, but he started five games. And I just feel like 
that is so like not cool to Chris Olave and to Tyler Algier and to like anybody, you know, anybody else you want to throw in that Damian Pierce. I mean, it's like those guys played full seasons and contributed in real ways. And it's not that Purdy didn't, but I just don't think that sample size is enough to warrant uh, a finalist. And, you know, you can mention him and say, man, if he played half the season, then maybe, but I don't know, five games. That's, I don't know. I don't love that. I don't love that. I, I get it. I get it. Um, but like you said, why they may throw Jalen Hurts, the offensive player of the year, it's a narrative award. Of course. It's a narrative award. So. Of course. Of course. No, I get, yeah, I'm, I know why they did it. I don't like it. Defensive rookie of the year, Mitch Sauce Gardner, uh, Tariq Wollin and Aiden Hutchinson chalk there for defensive rookie of the year. I think. Yeah. It's sauces. It's sauces to yeah. award to lose. Absolutely. Um, so I, I do want to throw out though, comeback player of the year. Yeah. A guy that I had mentioned, um, I think a few pods ago about who, who I think compact player of the year should be, uh, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and then Geno Smith was the mm-hmm. third player that was a finalist there. And I'm telling you, I really think that Geno should be getting this, this award. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, Saquon and Christian, yeah, they had the entries. They battled back from them. That's great, but we see that all the time. We don't see a 10-year vet completely revive his career and have the year yep. that Geno Smith did. So, Yep. No, 100%. I'm with you. It should be Geno's award to lose. Uh, I'd honestly be offended if he doesn't win it because, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Mitch, let's get into some NBA news uh, just uh, one bit of NBA news, a trade in the NBA, Los Angeles Lakers making a move to acquire Rui Hachimura, uh, the forward from the Washington Wizards, former top 10 draft pick. They're sending Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks in this trade. Hachimura, 24 years old, hasn't really been able to find a role on this Wizards team and uh, they did not extend him uh, with his rookie extension, which he was uh, not happy about. He now goes to L.A. There is intention to sign him to an extension in the offseason. And uh, they view him as a, a forward that can add some size to this team. And Mitch, I think for the resource, the very little resources that the Lakers have and to continue to hold on to the few first round picks they still have, this is about as good as they could do trading three seconds and Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't really played much at all of them for them this year for a young forward who is just going to be a wing defender. And that's what this team needs. That's what every team needs in the NBA, Mitch is a bunch of wing defenders, guys that can guard to the perimeter, have some size, have some length, multi-positional Rui could do that. And he's still got some upside. So I think it's a good swing for the Lakers. I don't think it is making a big difference per se this year, but uh, I thought a very smart move. The Lakers haven't made very smart moves the last couple of seasons. So I was surprised to see uh, one I was uh, favorable on. Yeah. Lakers were the big winner here. Um, Oh yeah. Big, big winner. And things were bad in Washington, but you know, they didn't, I guess they didn't make it any worse, but you know, it, it certainly didn't get any better with this trade. Um, if we look back at their last, like first, uh, their last, you know, their first round picks since 2014, they've either traded them away or their best player that they've gotten out of this has been Corey Crispert, who's averaging 9.4 points per game. Yeah. So, like, they just they haven't drafted well. No. I, I guess outside of like Kelly Oubre, but like that was 
but just role really players. Is. They haven't They're really been players. able to draft a star level, all star level contributor. So you know, yeah, yeah, it's a tough spot. Poor, but... poor draft, poor drafting, and then you get you give away a top ten pick yeah. for not a whole lot. I mean, not not a whole lot, not, not a whole, whole lot. lot. We're talking no. at twenty twenty nine and a twenty twenty eight second. I mean, they're yeah, those are those are nothing. Those are literally nothing. We might not even yeah. all be alive at that point. Who knows? Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. The big asteroid might come yeah, down by yeah, then. We never know. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. You know, there's a lot of rocks out there in space. You never know. Uh, Mitch, MLB news here. A couple uh, notes. Hall of Fame. We always t- love talking Hall of Fame. And one new uh, electee to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's uh, Scott Rowland, third baseman, longtime third baseman for the Cardinals. Uh, just sneaks in. 76.3% of the votes. You need to have at least 75% to get in his sixth year of eligibility earns his enshrinement. Uh, only player from the 27 other players listed on the ballot to, uh, to clear the minimum. So he's only one in this class. Uh, the, uh, the next closest barely missed out, which I thought was interesting. Todd Helton, uh, longtime Colorado Rocky first baseman just missed out, received 72.2% on his fifth try. So you got to imagine that uh, next year he's right on the way. Uh, Billy Wagner, 68.1% of the votes. Uh, he was third there, third, you know, next closest. But Scott Rowland, Hall of Famer, makes a lot of sense. Golden Glover, uh, seven-time All, All-Star, all eight gold gloves, fourth most for a third baseman. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an extremely solid player. I, I have no qualms with him getting in. I am surprised, though, he was the only one. There are some good names on this list, and to see a guy like Todd Helton just miss out, I mean, that margin, you're going to get in next year, but but still, uh, I am a little surprised. I'm going to disagree with you on this one, buddy. Oh, I don't think okay. Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. Okay. I don't. Um, I think that he got in being a product of his time, Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't any dominant, really third baseman during his era. Um, he happened to be the best of his era, which I guess you could make the argument of why he should be in the hall of fame. Um, but the numbers don't represent that. I think that he was a great third baseman, but not hall of fame worthy. And I'm, I'm a little bit more stingy on who should get in the hall of fame. Um, I think Todd Helton should have gotten in before him. Yeah. Um, I think that Billy Wagner should have gotten in before him. Andrew Jones certainly should have gotten in before him. Mm. Um, Omar Vizquel, again, in the same vein. It's just, I I have a hard time. Scott Rowland's like that. So like, he's such a fringe guy for me that I was like, he's a borderline guy. hundred percent. I'm that far on the fence with him. He probably shouldn't get in. Like yep. there has to be definitive proof for a guy to get in the hall of fame and Scott Rowland is so on the fence for me. I don't know if I really like that. He's getting in ahead, of, getting in ahead of guys like Helton and Wagner and Jones that um are, are shoe ins in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's hard to say getting in the head because the process will go and like Helton will get in and a lot of these guys will get in. It's just a matter sure. of time. And I don't really, I, I think one of the weirdest things the way the baseball hall of fame, right. The the voting process for it is so, is so strange to me. It's archaic. It's archaic. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that they have is just the way the process in which it's done. But I, you know, I, but I, but I do think you have a good point. He's borderline. Uh, They've elected now uh, 
back-to-back years, just one person gets in. David Ortiz was the lone electee last year. And then the year before that, in 2021, they did not elect anyone. Two uh, electees in three years is a historic low for the Baseball Hall of Fame. They've uh, never elected so few people in a three-year span. And I think that goes to your point that this isn't a strong group of players right now. And so maybe a guy like Scott Rowland gets elevated as the cream of the crop because the crop's not that good. So you're, you're electing somebody and the best of that group, but I, you know, you mentioned a lot of guys I, I, that you think should get in, I think we'll get in, but there's not like surefire, you know, there's no David Ortiz's. There's not a lot of those guys right now. And so I guess that's kind of why maybe it makes sense that Roland gets in and gets, you know, elevated in that case. I guess so. But like, I, I look at some of the names further down the ballot and like, I, I actually have an article idea that I've been playing around with. And I look at this guy's name, Bobby Abreu, 15% of the vote. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer in my mind, more so than Scott Rowland. Um, Andy Pettit gets in over Rowland. I mean, it just, it's, I don't know. They're, they're, it, it's like you said, it's such a weird voting process. And it's, it's pretty archaic the way they mm-hmm. vote in. Um, just having all the writers go and vote players in, but they, you feel like there should be like a players panel to, to contribute to some of these votes. But, um, I mean, great for Scott Rowland. I think he's a great oh, player, yeah. but I, I, not one I'm totally a hundred percent on board with. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think he's a borderline player. I think that's a fair estimation. If you guys listening, uh, if you're listening live on YouTube or Twitter, or you're listening to the podcast feed, uh, let us know your thoughts. Do you think Scott Rowland is uh, a Hall of Famer? Did you uh, think maybe were you surprised that he got in? Uh, what, what are your what's your take on this conversation? Because I do think it is interesting uh, mm-hmm. to to see. Mitch, one other bit of MLB news here: um, Artie Moreno, the Angels' owner, has announced that uh, he will not be selling the team. He will hold on to the team. We talked about uh, maybe a few months ago, as earlier in 2022, that. As announced, he was going to uh, intending to sell the team. He's going to hold on to it. We were pretty excited about the prospect of him relinquishing ownership and, and seeing a new face and new energy there in, in in that Angels organization. So I think I'm pretty disappointed in this outcome uh, because I did think that there was potential for some rejuvenation and things certainly haven't gone well. And so a lot of that comes down to ownership when you're talking about decades of failures and so i don't know i'm a little disappointing i don't know your thoughts but figured it's worth mention i'm really disappointed for Shohei otani and mike trout because i think as long as Artie moreno owns the team uh he's wasting their careers Hmm. he's wasting their careers because there's been there's just been no investment in good young talent it's been guys that are washed up guys that are coming off injury and it's like when are you just gonna go out and do the Albert Pujols deal. Like I know that Albert Pujols was clearly not the same player when he left St. Louis and he came over to LA, but when are you going to make that type of move again? Right. And th- there just seems to be no investment in the team in that sense. As long as Artie Moreno's there, like that was the one, right. You could argue that the Josh Hamilton deal was a similar move, but Josh Hamilton was battling his own demons and he could, he couldn't figure it out himself. And you know, that one fell through pretty much, but like they haven't made that big deal. Like there's just no, 
path forward. They're very stagnant. They'll always be decent. But when you have two of the best players on the planet on your team, you have to invest around them. And, you know, it just, it seems like this is a team that's constantly taken one step forward, two steps back. Um, I, I don't think Artie Moreno is a bad owner, right? He's not bad owner by bad owner standards, but things need to change. And I think there needs to be a new regime in here. Um, so I, <laughs> by the grace of God, will someone just make a sizable offer to Artie Moreno to buy the angels? Because you also have to, right. back, you also have to think <laughs> like they're, they're also negotiating with the Disney corporation as well, because this is a team that's yeah. partially owned by Disney. So mm. um, you, you like you're, yeah. So there, there's a complicated thing with this, but um yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed yeah. the team didn't sell, but, you know, I'm an A's fan, so I really don't care. But the rest of my family is Angels fans, so I right. kind of do care at the same time. But yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it is disappointing. I like you. I mean, they just, they're a franchise with so much promise. They feel like they should be a contender year in and year out. We just talked don't. about them as a contender at the beginning of this year. I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, I think that's the disappointment there. So we'll see what this move means for the angels moving forward, but uh, there's some news there. Mitch, we got to get to the weekly Kraken update. The boys in the Northwest continuing to play well, 27, 14 and five on the season season, 59 points. They're third in the Pacific division, fifth in the Western conference, Mitch. We got three games left until the all-star break. Uh, so coming up on a, uh, you know, a bit of a pause in the season and then sort of that back half will be able to roll through into the playoffs, but it's still in a very good spot competitive for that top four in the Western conference. Uh, and they'll, you know, enjoy the all-star break with uh, a very good record at this point in the season, much better than I think most people could have anticipated uh, before the season started. So still things going very well for the Kraken. I mean, 27 wins. That's, how many more wins than last year? What they won like yeah. 14 games or whatever it was last year. Yeah, so like, it was they, not 27. I'll tell you that they may have doubled their win total from the previous year. Yeah. Um, and they're still out playing the Kings. I know that they're behind the Kings now in their division, but like they're still, I'm just going to continue to hate on the Kings. Let's be uh Kings haters. How about that? Mitch, be Mitch, a- I looked it up. They won 27 games total last year. So there you go. At so the all-star break, we're going to have more wins than we did all of last year. That's Perfect. a huge dub. Huge dub. Huge dub. Um, yeah, and they're, I mean, this is just, they continue to outperform, and I love it. I love yep. it. They could just get, you know, get some more overtime wins, you know, eliminate some of those losses. Um, they'll be sitting in a really pretty spot when it comes to playoff yep. time. This is going to be a playoff team. I'm telling you, it's going to be a playoff it team. Is. It is, and it is exciting to watch. Can't wait for the NHL. You know, it'll be fun. I've, I'm, we'll have to like watch some NHL playoffs. It'll be intense. I'm excited. That'll be it'll awesome. be fun. That's right. can't wait. Uh, the lone representative, by the way, for the Kraken in the All Star game, uh, center Matty Beniers, Beniers mm-hmm. or Beniers, if it's French, Beniers. Beniers. I don't know. It's not Beniers because it's not spelt like the Benier, but Benier. Yeah. I don't know. We don't speak French. We are multilingual, as you can see below, uh, but not that well. <laughs> so uh, there you go. But one lone all-star representative this year. Every team gets one representative. So there you go. Mitch, uh, that's it for the uh, that's it for the news. 
Uh, we've got uh, we've got one little thing. You want to? We got to do a before we get to the campus tour. We got to do a pit of misery. Yeah, we, we do. Pit of misery. Yeah, and um, you know he's what happened is seems like totally out of character for this guy, right? He's a loud mouth. He's a trash talker. But when I saw this, it seemed totally out of character, and I feel like he needs a you know a little timeout. Just needs a little timeout. Shannon Sharp, welcome mm. to the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. Dilly um, dilly. You, you made an absolute ass of yourself at that Lakers-Grizzlies game. I know you were talking shit to Dylan Brooks, and you got into it with T. Morant, John Morant's dad. Um, yeah, Steven Adams, I think you got into it for, with, for a little yes. bit. Like, like There was just so much going on. And as much as I like Shannon Sharp, and I, I know that he is a loud voice. He's a smack talker. He loves to talk smack, but even this was out of character for him. He does not come onto the court and cause a disruption like this. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on his show undisputed issued an apology. It, while it was probably mandated and probably something he felt like he had to do for, for, you know, being in the public eye's sake. Um, it's, it, it still felt sincere. Uh, in his apology. So uh, Shannon Sharp, it's going to be a very short term for you. You're just going into timeout for a little bit, but <laughs> dilly dilly um, to Shannon Sharp. Yeah, dilly dilly. Uh, I, I do, you know, while we're on the topic of Undisputed, though, Mitch, can I also, can we just add Skip Bayless in as well? I mean, he, oh. listen, he should probably have a residential suite in the pit of misery, but uh but I don't know if you saw on social media, he posted some pouty video of him walking into his kitchen and throwing his Dak Prescott Cowboys jersey into the trash can after Sunday night's loss. And his his shtick is just so pathetic. I just, it's just dumb. And, you know, I think it rubs off negatively on Shannon. Clearly, here he is, like you said, doing something out of character. Like, that old show is toxic i hate it because i do love shannon sharp i really do i think he's great oh yeah but, he's, he's uh, absolutely fantastic Skip is just awful so if you'll throw him in there uh too oh 100 you know I'll, I'll throw <laughs> undisputed in there for a week but skip can just stay there i, I mean it. yeah yeah like he should yeah it's a permanent stay he, he's got a residency at the pit of misery <laughs> skip bayless is the guy that had a rough time as an as an adolescent and he wants you to make he wants to make you feel it every single day of his life as an Ooh, adult. Okay, yes. And yes. it's it's actually very clear. Like, remember those mm. old first take clips when he's talking about his high school basketball experience? Yeah, and like how he got benched because the coach didn't like him and he was a rebel and he was a true shooter, but then he averaged like 1.8 points as a varsity player and played JV as a junior. Like, like he clearly like he is, he's clearly got a chip on his shoulder and now he wants everyone else to feel bad for him. And I'm sorry, skip. I don't feel bad for you because you know what? I've went through the same stuff and you're still in a better position than me. So like, I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> the the stick is over, like, bro. Like you, I went through the same things as a baseball player and a you year. are in a better spot than I am. So I don't feel bad for yeah, you at all. It one is. bit. 
It is a tired shtick at that. Absolutely. Oh, so yeah. dilly dilly to that. Uh, Shannon, you could come out next week. That'll be fine. But uh, yeah, no, was, Shannon's out next yeah. week. He's he's good. He's good. Just but, a little uh, time that's, Absolutely. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Mitch, we got to jump into the campus tour. A few things here. Uh, transfer portal update. An interesting situation here. I want to discuss with Ole Miss in their quarterback room. Uh, Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma state quarterback has been in the transfer portal since early December. He's somebody we talked about and hadn't announced a destination was feeling it out. There was rumors he'd end up at Auburn at one point, connected to a lot of different places, but he announces that he will transfer to Ole Miss a uh, bit of a surprise as Ole Miss has an incumbent starter in Jackson dart. He is the former USC quarterback transferred there last year when Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley came into town and Dart was good for that eight win Ole Miss team. Wasn't, wasn't great, but, but you know, he wasn't bad by any means. Uh, but here comes Spencer Sanders, a grad transfer one year left. He wants a shot at, you know, winning this job and, and doing something and healthy competition. Love that. That totally makes sense, Mitch. But then LSU, Backup quarterback Walker Howard enters the transfer portal, former four-star recruit, recruited by basically everybody, and he announces that he is also going to Ole Miss. So now suddenly we have ourselves a little three-man quarterback battle here in the SEC. I think it's I think it's very interesting. Now Walker Howard does have three years of eligibility left, so he can play more of a long game here. He doesn't have to win the job this year or anything. You know, he can, if he likes it, he can stick it out, try to win the job in the future. But Dart is still a pretty young guy, you know, two years left, uh, at least three years total with the transfer and, and a red shirt. Spencer Sanders is a grad transfer one year guy. So uh, this is a very crowded quarterback room with only one job available. I, I will be very interested to see how this plays out. This is the problem that I'm going to have with this new transfer portal format is it's college football. It's just going to become a clown show. What quarterbacks going where? Oh, we got two quarterbacks going in the same spot. Oh, don't worry. He'll just uh, transfer next year. And he's stop with it. Stop with it. This is, this is silly. Like it, it just seems like I, I understand healthy competition and quarterback competitions are fun but it's going to rob a lot of kids of college football success. And it's going to rob a lot of kids of maybe potential careers in football. And it, it's just getting silly to see that now we have Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard all in the same quarterback room. And one of them is probably not going to see the field for the rest of their uh, career. Like, well, I mean, here's it, it just so seems, it, it just seems silly to me. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, it's not, I don't know if it's quite like that because so ultimately like it'll be interesting to see what happens in spring Mitch because whoever wins the job in spring Spencer St Sanders as a grad transfer could still transfer and play again this season if he see, doesn't win the job just... in spring he could go transfer somewhere else where if he doesn't that's probably what will happen but if Jackson Dart doesn't win the job does he decide if he loses his starting job does he decide well I got to go somewhere else because you know, Sanders wins the job. Howard's the future guy. I'm out. You know, uh, I do think it's interesting. The transfer portal giveth and it taketh away, right? Some guys might jump around and never and lose an opportunity because they never stuck it out, while other guys will find opportunities by moving on to other places. And I think that's and the hard thing with the transfer portal 
But it is very rare in a case like this to see three guys that could be starters at a at a majority of college football programs all in one space competing for this job at Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss is good, but you I know, mean, but doesn't that come not like off? I don't know. that doesn't that seem like a little bit of a clown show to you that Spencer Sanders can go to Ole Miss, feel like he's on the wrong end of a quarterback competition, transfer and go start somewhere else all in the same year? I mean, that just it's it just no, seems no because his head coach could do the exact same thing. We see head coaches do it all the time. They take one job. They take a coordinator job somewhere. Somebody else comes calling. They'll leave that job within a week and go somewhere else. We've, I've seen it this, this cycle. So I, if that, if that can happen, then I think players should too. If the yeah, coaches but that won't have restrictions the same on that, rate, that won't happen at the same rate. These quarterbacks will do it. Well, it doesn't portal. because this thing is specifically as a grad transfer. Uh, we saw it once last season. I think Jarrett Doge was his name. Uh, he was a former West Virginia quarterback, transferred to Western Kentucky, didn't win that job in the spring, lost it to Austin Reed, uh, and then transferred, I believe, to like South Alabama, and that's where he played this year. So obviously, you know, yeah, you're going just, like G5 lower I, level. But yeah. uh, just an interesting – I mean, you don't see this very often, three quarterbacks like this battling. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, but – Transfer portal era in, in college football is certainly uh, something else, Mitch. Uh, I want to I talk about a mock draft here. Mel Kuyper, the uh, creator of the NFL draft, if you will, uh, put out his latest mock draft. And there were some interesting notes from this. Players, I want to get your reaction to uh, most of it. We'll, we'll start with the top five here. Some of this is pretty chalk, right? No trades. So, you know, your Bears take Jalen Carter. Cardinals take Will Anderson. Those were, uh, you know, the same that I'd had on my mock. You see that a lot. At number two, he has a quarterback, but it's not Bryce Young. It's not Will Levis. It's C.J. Stroud is his QB1 uh, in this draft going to the Houston Texans. The Indianapolis Colts at four take Bryce Young, and the Seahawks at five take Will Levis. So he has three quarterbacks going in the top five there. I want to get your thoughts on this. I have some thoughts on, on one of these fits in particular, but your thoughts on three quarterbacks in the top five and specifically Stroud as the number one guy over young and Levis. Uh, well, okay. So let's just get the big thing out of the way. I'm not worried about the bears pick because the bears pick is not going to be oh, yeah. at the one Oh one. So right. I'm not worried about that at all. When it comes to the three quarterbacks in the top five, I think they got this all screwed up. I think Mel Kuyper's got this all screwed up. C.J. Stroud should be the third quarterback taken out of those three. And I'm not even sure if two of them get out of the top ten or should be taken to the top ten. Mm, I think right. Bryce Young's a top ten pick. Um, C.J. Stroud could be a late top ten pick, maybe 11, 12, that range. Will Levis, in my mind, um, has not shown anything else to me to be a top 10 pick. I know that quarterback is a a highly demanded position, but like sure. he doesn't have top 10 talent in my mind. Right. Um so he he in my mind, he's got this all screwed up. I think that Bryce Young or yeah, Bryce Young should be the um the first quarterback off the board uh going to the Texans. Um, CJ Stroud, if he's going to go in the top five, what makes sense would, I guess, be the Colts. Um, well, so I, I, I miss, I misspoke then. Cause Will Levis should be the third one there. And then 
Will Levis goes wherever he goes. I don't think he should be in the top five. So I, I, you know, it, it, it's an early mock draft too. There's going to be a lot more to come, but oh, yeah. I, I think that three in the top five is a little bit rich for my blood. Yeah, it is interesting. And I haven't seen that as often, which I thought was curious um, to see him uh, throw three guys into the top five. You know, the will, obviously I've shared my thoughts about Will Levis here plenty, but I do. I I am intrigued by the fit with a team like Seattle, and not with the fifth pick. But I feel a similar way about Detroit, a team that already has an established guy that they can roll out next year, right? So you don't feel like you are playing Will Levis in year one, but a guy that you don't believe is your future plan to Super Bowl contention, like a Jared Goff, perhaps like a Geno Smith. So you want to take a shot on a guy with upside while also retaining what you have already taking a shot on a guy like Will Levis makes sense for a team like that, as opposed to a team like Carolina, like Houston, like Indy, who needs a guy that's going to come in and play in 2023. Right. So again, not top five at all, but if with the 20th pick Seattle said, we'll take a shot on Will Levis. I don't hate that. I, you know, I, I could get, I could get on board with that idea. So I do think that fit there is interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, interesting. To to wrap up the top 10 a a bit, uh, Tyree Wilson goes at six to Detroit. Uh, Peter Skaronsky at seven to the Raiders. Miles Murphy at eight to the Falcons. These are all familiar names we've talked about in the top 10. Uh, He has Anthony Richardson at number nine to the Panthers. So four quarterbacks in the top 10. Uh, Panthers taking Richardson at nine. Uh, Mitch, uh, I we will get into Richardson on my players to know before the NFL draft in a couple months. Uh, I probably post uh, some of the uh, testing and stuff like that. But I would rather take a shot at number nine on Anthony Richardson than I would Will Levis if I was the Panthers as a Panthers fan. So I'm just saying now, if if we had to take a shot on one of those guys in the top ten, I would rather us it be on Anthony Richardson than Will Levis. But uh, certainly interesting there. Yeah, Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson to me is just not NFL ready yet. Right, like he's going to be a project. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that you know, you have to have. I think that Carolina's got to be ready to have like have a placeholder for a year or two before Anthony Richardson is ready to go. For sure, and and set himself and set Richardson up for success when he is finally ready to go. Build around that. Yep. Uh, yep. Throughout the offseason, everything. So yeah, you're following the Lamar f- model, right? You, st- you you sat him his whole rookie year. He sat behind Joe Flacco. He learned, and then in year two, then you can unveil it. You built the offense around him. You you established him in, and then you move forward. That's got to be the model for Richardson with whoever takes him. Uh, Mitch, the most interesting pick on this mock draft, and this is going to transition into our player to know before the NFL draft. But at number ten, Mel Kiper has. Uh, the Eagles taking a defensive tackle, uh, Kalijah Kansi, defensive tackle from Pitt. And I'm not going to lie, Mitch, when I saw that this morning, I thought, huh, I've never heard of that guy. I have no idea who that guy is. I've been following NFL draft stuff all season. I mean, since the last NFL draft ended. And not that I'm like completely in the know on everything, but I had not come across this guy. And he was suddenly in the top 10 of Mel Kuyper's uh, uh, mock draft. He was his number 11 player on his big board. So I thought, all right, I need to, I need to dig in. I need to know why. Why is this guy so high? Uh, how did he move up? So he is the player to know before the NFL draft this week. 
Kalijah Kansi, defensive tackle from Pitt, and added defensive tackle for Pitt, Mitch, an explosive player. Shows a great speed at the line of scrimmage. Uh, has a like a signature little spin move, or sorry, swim move that he puts on guards that's just nasty. Um, undersized defensive tackle. Six foot, 280 pounds. And yes, he plays like he's undersized, but he is a pass rush demon. 13 and a half sacks over the last two years. Uh, racked up almost 30 tackles for loss. Uh, he is a monster at the line of scrimmage, relentless. And I think that's what stuck out to me most. Motor, speed, he knows how to pass rush. He knows what moves he's doing. And he plays with a considerable amount of strength for being an undersized guy. Uh, you, you saw in some of the highlights and, and what I watched from him, him uh, pushing back guards uh, with his strength and leverage, understanding undersized guy. Uh, plays mainly as a uh, two-gap or one-gap kind of player. But I think he has a role, a definite role in the NFL. Now, top 10, I, I don't really see what Mel Kuyper is doing here because I see this guy, especially in year one as a situational pass rusher. Uh, and he will do excellent at that. I mean, just consider last year at Pitt, uh, 275 snaps in pass rush, 179 in run defense. Uh, he had one of the highest pass rushing grades in the country, 92.4, according to PFF seven and a half sacks this season. So, uh, I mean, this guy is just, that's what he does now. Can he hold up? Is he going to be a three down player? Like, can he be a down in down out kind of guy that I don't know. And that's why I think it is interesting to project him as a top 10 player. Cause that screams to me, you got to be able to do all those things. Could he develop into that? Yeah. But I don't see, uh, I don't see Kalijah Kansi as a top 10 player. I certainly see like back half of the first round, taking a shot on a guy that, uh, it's just an absolute pass rush demon on the interior. Love it. If that's the fit for your team, you know, you're going to have a guy like Siake Ika, who is your more of your traditional nose tackle space eater. If that's the guy you want, you're going to look there, but this Kansi kid is very interesting. Uh, pass rush phenom at, from the interior. He's going to be able to make moves there in season one. It's just a matter of like what he could develop to full-time in the NFL, but Certainly an intriguing prospect, and I could understand from the flashes why Mel Kuyper was uh, willing to jump up so high and, and sort of stake a claim on this guy before anybody else did. So that's your player to know before the NFL draft this week, Kalijah Kansas, the defensive tackle from Pitt. Yeah, I thanks for the insight. I still haven't seen you know any film on him at all, but um, it, looking at just what was written about him, what mm -hmm. do we know about Mel Kuyper? He's a numbers whore. He mm -hmm. loves numbers. And yep. it said racking up 13 and a half sacks when lined up as a defensive tackle, most in the country. I yep. guarantee you that's why he cracked the top 10 <laughs> guarantee you. Yep. Um, yep. And that's just, that's Mel for you. But um, right. you know, I, yeah, I'm with you. Maybe not a top 10 guy, but you know, definitely maybe a first round talent. It'll back half of the first round. Uh, keep sure. an eye on a guy like Kalijah Kansi. Oh yeah. Well, in the fit with the Eagles, I mean, the idea here is you're pairing him up next to Jordan Davis. I mean, have a behemoth of a man like Jordan Davis paired up with a interior pass rusher who just uses relentless speed to attack uh, the, the ball. I mean, that is a great combination. So maybe now with the 10th pick, 
but with the 30th, 31st or whatever they end up with at the end, sure. Uh, could be a, a fantastic fit there. So I do think that's interesting. Uh, I do want to say this as well. I forgot to mention this. You may or may not see conversation around this player in comparing him to Aaron Donald because Aaron I was Donald say size is comparable. So Aaron Donald was an undersized defensive tackle from Pitt. <laughs> These are not the same players though. Just don't do it. Don't, don't even put, like, just don't put in your head. These are different players. These are just very different players. So can you Elijah see can't see do bench it? press 600 pounds? Yeah, I don't right. think so. He is not just a hundred percent pure muscle. That's just not what he is. So, I mean, you might see, you might want to do it. Don't do it. He's not Aaron Donald, but still a very good player. And I, <laughs> I will, I, I will be intrigued to see how he rises now that Kuiper sort of made this move. PFF only has him at number 38 right now on their big board. Uh, he's probably more in that. Uh, early day two, maybe late day one range. So it will be interesting to see if he moves up boards uh, as a result. So uh, there you go. Well, that's it for the campus tour, Mitch. And that's uh, that's it for the first half of the podcast. So we do need to take a break and hit a mid roll. And on the other side, we'll do our draft drafting, our favorite big guys of all time. And then we will preview uh, conference championship weekend. So stick around. And we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back into the second half of the sports hour guys with Mitchmo and Dallin. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're watching live here on the YouTubes, thank you for listening. If you're uh, listening in the future with the podcast, we appreciate all of you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, Dallin, fun second half coming up. Of course, we're going to preview the uh, championship Sunday games uh, here at the very end. But Dallin, we got a draft coming up, and this is going to be a really fun one because we got some characters, some girth, lovable, lovable guys coming up in this draft. Yes. Uh, it's a time for the sports hour draft. We've, we've enjoyed doing this uh, over the last few weeks uh, on the podcast and going back and forth, drafting our own top five. So this week uh, we are drafting our favorite big guys. You know, you know, the big guys, you got to know the big guys. There are just some lovable big guys in sports. And uh, we want to highlight our our favorite hefty fellas. So uh, that's what we're doing today. And th- there's not really much criteria to this, folks. Uh, this is obviously extremely subjective. Uh, and our definitions were just like, you got to be a big guy, a little bit of girth to you. And uh, that's pretty much it. it that's. We're, we're pretty, playing pretty loose here with it, but uh, I'm excited. I can't wait because Mitch, when you told me about this idea, I immediately started 
thinking of all the guys. I'm like, oh, this guy. Oh, yeah. This. And I'm, so I'm I cannot wait to see what you come up with. Oh, gosh. I, I know that just they they all started running through my mind. And I, I'm telling you, I'm going to lose some picks to you that I really, really want. Like, I think that oh, yeah. there are some universally loved big guys that we're going to lose to each other. And you're like, damn it. I wish you didn't pick that one because I wanted that guy. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, It'll be Alan. Yeah. We're going to determine who's going first. I got okay. a coin here. With a coin flip live on the podcast, on the stream. You love to I see got- it. Mitch will flip the coin. I got heads and tails. So just okay. tell me, uh, you call it in the air. Okay. Tails. Tails never fails. It is tails. So there we go. And as I said, it never fails. So I got to go you, first. And I, I kind of don't like going first. I had to go first last week and I hated that. Uh, this is not nearly as bad, but I just know I'm going to miss out on two really good guys. Probably, you know, by the time it comes back around to me. So I don't like that. But I will go first here with uh, our sports hour draft, our favorite big guys of all time. I have to make sure I have the uh, draft sound ready. I do. I'm prepared this time. Okay, good. Mitch, there there are there are going to be some names we're competing over. Oh, so I just have to decide here. Which one do I need the most? Who do I need to know is on my squad? Guaranteed. So I got, I think I've got it. The pick is in. Okay. And with the first pick in our favorite big guys draft, Mitch, I'm going Shaquille O'Neal. Ah, damn it. I'm going Shaquille O'Neal, the big diesel, as he's known. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Shaq was going to go top two, right? Like, he was just going to go up there. Diesel, the big Aristotle. I mean. Lactus, the big cactus. Seven foot one, 325 pounds. I mean, just a big guy. One of the greatest big guys. And then just to be everything he is outside of basketball, right? DJ Diesel. Uh, he played a genie in a movie. He, you know, he's great on TNT. Uh, you know, it's just, I love that Shaq has become a cultural icon, right? Outside of just a great NBA player. You'll love to see it. It has to be Shaq, Mitch. Yeah. I mean, damn it. I was hoping you were going to, cause I had my two and I, he was going to be uh-huh. one of my two. I was hoping you went a different direction. Damn. Damn, but I damn, got him. Damn, damn. Okay. 101 is gone. And Mitch, you are up with your first pick. Well, it's good because I got my true 101 here. Okay. And the pick is in, by the way. With the second pick of the first round, Team Mitch will be selecting William the Refrigerator Perry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I love that you took him one because he was obviously on the list. When you have a name like the fridge, you're on the list. But oh, God, yeah, I was kind of hoping to steal him from you at some point. <laughs> oh, you so ain't I love, the fridge from me. I love that you were like, absolutely not. He's going first round. <laughs> That's that. Those two were the hope I was hoping I would get okay. one to two there on my yeah. turn. 
Because I, I was like, man, please take someone other than Shaq. Because if I got the fridge and Shaq, God dang it, that's the most lovable crew Yo, right out of the gate. Right out yeah. of the gate. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the fridge, 6'2", 335, played for the yep. Chicago Bears, 85 Bears, scored the touchdown in the Super Bowl. I mean, my God. What a guy. He could actually do a 360 dunk in his heyday at 6'2", 335. Wow. So... Um, an incredible athlete as a big guy. So, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, my number one overall big guy's got to be the fridge. William okay, Perry. that's such a good pick. Let's see uh, what's what do you got for number two, Mitch? Oh man, it's gonna see, start getting is, really tough. This is where it gets tough because, like, I want to play what I think you're gonna do, mm. but I also want to take the guys that I that I want, right? I, exactly. I want to steal guys from you, but I got to take who I like. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the pick is in, I think. Okay. I'm going to go with big, sexy Bartolo Colon. Oh, that's a good pick, Mitch. He was on the short list. The big, se- I mean, the big, sexy, come on. Great. Nick. I mean, Great nickname. He, his home run is probably the most popular home run ever hit in the last 20 yes. years. Yes, um, this guy is just a fantastic, fantastic big guy uh, for the game of baseball. Um, not just the game of baseball, but all of sports. I mean, with a name like Big Sexy. I mean, you've got, you've got to love this guy. And he's a lovable personality. He's kind of a goofball. Um, but a great ball player in his own right. So I got to go Bartolo Colon with the, the, the second overall pick. I love it. 5'11", 285, just a big thick guy. husky guy. Love it. That's such a – he, he was on my list. He was going to get picked, Mitch. So I, uh, I yeah. love that you went Colon early. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good selection. All right. Um, okay, I am up. Again, back to back here. I got my second pick taking Shaq as my number one. And I'm not going to lie, Mitch, my pick for number two, my, my other, my other pick at number one is still available. Wow. You didn't, you didn't pick the, the other person I was considering here. So I'm very happy to take this guy at number two. The pick is in. And with the number two pick, Mitch, I'm sticking in the world of baseball. And I'm going with a recent Hall of Fame entry, <laughs> Big Poppy. Oh, David yeah. Ortiz. I had to go Big Poppy because, again, Big Poppy, when you have a nickname like that. Or, by the way, Baseball Reference also lists Cookie Monster, uh, which, again, great big guy nickname. So there you go. I didn't even know that one. But, uh yeah, David Ortiz, incredible 230 thick first baseman. He is uh he's the guy. I love it. That's such a great pick. That's such a great pick. I mean, Big Poppy was on my short list as well. So yes. Um, I don't know if I would have taken him as early as two, but you're probably playing the game here, taking him early, and <laughs> I like it. I, I respect the move. So yeah, Big Poppy, fantastic pick to take a pick. Yeah, thanks. Here. You never know when these guys are going to go. You know, we're we're playing. We got to pick, like you said, who we want, but we're also playing each other. You know, you got to play the game. Uh, you got to play the game a little bit. Yeah, a little competition. Yeah. And speaking of the game, Mitch, I am up again uh, with my third pick here, and uh, 
I know you're interested in this player, so I'm going to go here. The pick is in. And he was one of the guys I immediately thought of, of got to be on my list. One of my favorite players. I'm going Jerome Bettis. Mm, Going the the bus. bus. I'm going the bus at number three here. Uh, 5'11", 252, a a Hall of Famer, six-time Pro Bowler. I mean, he was just... It was just incredible. And the bus represents this in a lot of ways is the type of player that represents this draft, right? Guys that were just, he was just big, the biggest guy in his position. Nobody was playing his position at his size and doing it as well as he did. And he was elite uh, his entire career uh, as a giant bulldozer of a man. It's incredible. You wouldn't see that in the NFL today. That is such a NFL of 20 years ago sort of thing. You would never see a running back at 250 doing having any play in the NFL right now, period. So uh, a, a dinosaur of a bygone era, if you will. I love it. Got to go the bus. Got to. I mean, this is just I mean, that was my next pick. That was my next pick. Oh, so I'm glad I went. Oh, I'm glad I did it. All right. The uh, game is afoot, Mitch. You're up. I wanted the bus three. so bad. I wanted the bus so bad on my team. OK, well, OK, so I got two in a row here. Yeah. And um, for the sake of, I think that he is worth the third round pick and not the fourth round pick. I will go with this guy first. So uh, the pick is in. Okay. And I'm going with the round mound of rebound. Charles Barkley. Oh, I love it. Charles Barkley. I mean, an all time talker an all-time analyst, an all-time nickname, an all-time player. I mean, this guy just checks all the boxes as a big guy. Now, of course, they make more fun of his size nowadays that he's been retired, and, you know, he <laughs> loves Krispy Kreme donuts and all that stuff, and, you know, they make fun of that. Um, but he was a portly guy for his position when he was mm-hmm. playing, too, as well. He was kind of a rounder, shorter guy for a power forward, um, but a, a a, a, an all-time big guy in my mind has got to be Charles Barkley. So I, I'm going with Chuck here. I love that, Mitch. I love that's a great pick. Uh, it was somebody I thought of. I didn't write down. I had some like you know honorable mention or like if we got deep into it, I need to pull some names. Uh, but he was a guy I considered. So I think it's a great pick. I love it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's an all-time guy. All-time guy. Uh shoot, number four. This is where it gets tough. And it's not that mm-hmm. it gets thin. You're just like, can I take the right well, guy here? Because none of these guys are thin, Mitch. Uh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that too, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, gum it. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with a guy that I like. I'm going to go That's with a guy that do. I like. And at the very portly stature of 5'11", 275. I'm going to take the Prince. Oh, sorry. Pick is in. Okay. I'm taking the Prince. Prince Fielder. I love that. That's a great pick, Mitch, because, yeah, I mean, is he at everyone's, is he at the top of everyone's list when you think of big guys? No, but he's a great pick, and he's a great big guy. He's a great big guy, man. You know, you would see him stretch, like trying to score from first on a ball in the gap. And it was like true comedy to try to see him score from first. You're like, and you're pulling for him the whole time. You're just like, let's go, let's go, big guy. Come on, come on, come on. Get there, get there, get there. 
And then to top it all off, he has the all-time moment. Foul ball in the stands right behind first base. It's a couple rows deep. He can't quite get there. He runs into a fan holding a uh, uh, thing of nachos. <laughs> and he just reaches in, grabs a nacho, kind of winks at the guy and goes back to first base. Like an all-time big guy moment. <laughs> just stealing some fans' nachos. I love it. Prince Fielder, got to be on my team. It, it's, it's just a guy that I like. May not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's a guy I like. No, I mean, hey, no complaints from me. I love that pick. I love that pick. Prince Fielder, love to see it. All right, Mitch, that puts me back up. I've got my final two picks here. I've taken Shaquille O'Neal, David Ortiz, and Jerome Bettis. Back-to-back here, I guarantee get these two players. So I'm going to go in the same vein of you. I'm going to get guys that I just want and I want to talk about. I want to include on this list. So my fourth pick is in. And with my fourth pick, Mitch, I'm taking Big Red. Taking Andy Reid. I like I'm going to take Andy Reid. When you got a nickname like Big Red, you're a big guy. And you know what? We've talked about a lot of athletes. All these guys, athletes. Here's a coach. A beloved coach. Big guy. Big Red. Loves cheeseburgers. Just when you're a guy who's known for your affinity of cheeseburgers, you're a big guy. He bets That's everyone. It. He bets everyone a cheeseburger. I bet yeah. you a cheeseburger. This won't happen. I'll bet yeah. you a cheeseburger. This won't happen. If you ask I him in, in in the media availability, his favorite cheeseburger somewhere, he knows. He he'll tell you. This is one of my favorite places. You know, he's he's about it. I love it. He's a big he, he, guy. So yeah, he's a man that knows what he likes, and that's what yes. I like about him. Yeah, absolutely. And a great nickname, Big that's Red. A great, so that's a great pick. Dang. Thanks, man. Pick. I've got. I've got a. I'm pulling this one out of the out of the hat a little bit here on number five, Mitch. I'm going to go a little left field out of the box here with my final pick, but still qualifies. And I think a great big guy. The pick is in. And with my fifth pick, Mitch, my final pick in our favorite big guys. I'm going with maybe. Oh, no, not maybe. I will. I will stamp it approved. The biggest guy on this list, period. Going Andre the Giant. French wrestler, movie star, 7'4", 520 pounds. You son of a bitch. I'm going Andre the Giant. Does there get a bigger big guy than Andre the Giant? Because not only is he a big guy, he is a humongous human being, but... Big guys are lovable. Big guys are endearing. Big guys make you want to just give them a big hug and, you know, root for them. And that's Andre the Giant. I mean, I think of his iconic movie character in uh, The Princess Bride, you know, and like, it's just that's Andre the Giant. I mean, he's got the iconic body slam of Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3. Yes. Or, sorry, excuse me. That is Hulk Hogan body slamming him. But the, the, the contrast from going from baby face to heel back to baby face back to heel. I mean, he was just uh, iconic for wrestling in the eighties and damn it. I hate that you take him. <laughs> I hate that you took him so bad. Were, was because he even now, on your radar? Was he on your radar? Were you considering was. him at all? Okay. He all right. was, but 
I hate it because I went with a different wrestler for number five. Oh my gosh, we both went. That is amazing. We do not talk wrestling on this podcast at all. No, I went and with the fact another that wrestler. We both picked wrestlers, and number five is incredible. All righty, well, I'm ready to I, hear it. Oh my gosh, I was like, when you said Andre the Giant, I was like, no shit, he was the wrestler. <laughs> I thought I was gonna be the guy that stole the wrestler in oh. at the end. And you just came in and swept the rug out from underneath my feet. Oh, Dallin, I'm going with a guy that, excuse me, I dropped my pen. Um, I'm going with a guy that when I snuck in watching wrestling, because I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling when I was a kid, but I enjoyed watching it. So I would sneak it in a little bit every now and then and watch wrestling. And this was a guy that was always a consistent feature on WWE, WWF. His birth name is Paul White. Hmm. But we know him as, the pick is in. Well, it's the big show! The big (laughs) show, Paul White, is my number five here. Um, um, As billed in wrestling as the largest athlete on the planet. Um, just a, an all time wrestling personality. Um, I, I hate that it's losing its luster now because you took Andre oh. the giant. I hate this so much. I didn't, I, I, I had this whole spiel planned for the big show. And then you take Andre the giant and just shit on everything that I had planned. And I'm like, well, cool. I'm going to take the other really big guy that they've had in the last 40 years. That's awesome. Damn it, Dallin. Why did you do that? Ah, dang it. Ah. I love this draft. The draft is amazing because I didn't even want to go first, but because I go first, I get my fifth pick in there right before you do. So it sets this up. That is Wow. It's a great pick, Mitch. It's a great pick. I don't want to take anything away from it because you're talking about a guy. I mean, Andre the Giant is big. This guy's seven foot three eighty three. That is a big man. I mean, this is the big show for a reason. So, yeah, uh, a great pick here. But we both had to pick wrestlers at the end. <laughs> I was so excited to have a wrestler in the bag. I was like, <laughs> damn it, damn it. I'm so I'm, I'm so going to win this draft. Oh, and, man. Uh, you coming with Andre the Giant out of left field. Oh, incredible that was a fun fun draft wow this is is such a good idea favorite big guys i mean a great a great uh category to pick from mitch let's run through the list one more time for for our people the top five our favorite big guys Uh, how about you go first all right so i got william the refrigerator the refrigerator refrigerator perry it's a lot so that's a lot of vowels in that um Number two, I got Bartolo Colon. Number three, the round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley. Uh, number four, Prince Fielder. And number five, the big show, Paul White. Mm. Yes. Uh, number one, I had Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, number two, Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Number three, the bus, Jerome Bettis. Number four, Big Red, Andy Reid. And at number five, Andre the Giant. So I, did, I, didn't, are... throw the, I didn't throw all the nicknames of my guys, man. I, now I feel it, bad the, about this. The, you, listen, these are some quality top fives. I think we did oh, great. Phew. Honestly, all of the people on my short list were selected. All the people I, I in my short list that either I wanted to pick, you know, they, they were all gone. So, I mean... Pretty Who solid. else did you have? Did you have anyone else left that there, like 
for honorable mentions or yeah there was i mean i mentioned i i wrote down a couple names guys that probably wouldn't have picked but deserved mention like uh the big donkey adam dunn uh cc sabathia big baby glenn davis uh those are a few guys i i, I wrote down uh jonathan ogden was low key oh, my sleeper yeah. pick six nine three twenty like people forget how big that guy was and you know by the way like a hall of fame tackle for the ravens for forever but i mean he was huge so uh those were a few of the guys i considered what about you well okay so i had el caballo carlos lee oh yeah I'm a former first baseman um i had tony saragusa goose oh yes that's a good one um who else I have? I had CC Sabathia. Yep. One of mm-hmm. the big guys. Uh, the Panda, Pablo Sandoval was oh, another yeah. one that I had. Um, one guy that I am really surprised didn't go in this draft, and he was probably flirting on that five or six. I thought Big Show was going to be a better pick than him, but I'm surprised you didn't go with him. Vince Philpork. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about him, to be honest. I didn't, I mean, I didn't think about him, but that's a good pick. He's a he's a Big boy, big boy. Um, Vince Wilfork was definitely on there. Um, I don't know if this name rings a bell at all, but Willie Rofe. Um, yeah, he was an no. offensive lineman for the for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, 6'5", 320, a big guy. He's a he's he's an all time like mid or like nineties offensive lineman. Yeah, um, was another guy that crossed my mind, but. Yeah, I mean, really, I, I got to give big ups to Goose and Vince Wilfork. Those are kind of my two big sleeper picks that I was thinking about. But yeah, I like that. Those are those are that good ones. And so. Vince Wilfork, like at post retirement, he wound up being a grill master. He wound up being a pit master. So like oh, what better go. for a big guy than to just hey. travel around and barbecue meat all over the place? That is so on brand. That's a great point. That's a yeah. great point. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, what a great, great stuff on the on the draft, guys. Let us know your thoughts. If you're watching live, want to leave us a comment. Maybe if we forgot somebody, a big guy, uh, or if, uh, if you have an opinion on who had the better list, let us know. If you're listening to the podcast later, let us know on social or leave us uh, a voice message on Anchor. Uh, let us know who we may have forgot on our favorite all-time big guys. But, uh, Mitch, we got to wrap up the podcast with our championship uh, round preview. I like to call it championship Sunday, Mitch, because we get two AFC NFC championship games back to back on Sunday. It's a great time. Uh, big steaks to be had. Uh, you know, maybe eat if you're eating steaks, yeah. but uh, steaks to be had in the games. Uh, so let's start this off, Mitch. Let's start off with the NFC championship game this Sunday. San Francisco 49ers, 13 and 4. Headed to Philly, the link, Lincoln Financial Field, taking on 14 and 3 Philly. These are two dominant teams that have looked really good in the playoffs. Now, I know Philly only played one game, it was against the Giants, but I think we could bank on these teams showing up this week. I don't think we're going to have similar games to what we saw last week where we're not competitive. These are two of the best defenses in the league. These are offenses that have a ton of weapons and know how to use them. So it's a tight matchup. And as a result, Philly at home favored minus two and a half over under set at 46. Mitch, 
I'll, uh, I don't really know where to start here, so I'll just let you jump in. What's, what's sort of coming to mind when you're thinking about this game in this matchup? Stalemates. Stalemates. Mm. I think we're going to see a stalemate. I think Philly's defense is formidable. Niners offense clearly is is good, but it's not what Philly's offense is. Wash there. San Francisco's defense, for real. Philly's offense, for real. Wash there. I mean, big stalemates in this one. And uh, I really think it's going to come down to, and I don't want to discredit and take away any credit away from the players. But who's going to get out coached in this game? Hmm. And I mean, is it Nick Sirianni? Is it Kyle Shanahan? Is it the assistants over there in Philadelphia or is it the assistants over there in San Francisco? I think there's again, one key name we need to take notice of, and he's going to play a big factor when it comes to out coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. That's D'Amico Ryans. Hmm. I think that this is the most pressure he's ever going to have in his career. I think that this is going to be his biggest test as a coach in his career. And he has given me absolutely zero reason to not believe that D'Amico Ryans can put together a game plan to stop Philadelphia at home. Granted, San Francisco's played has not played on the road yet in the playoffs. Right. This is their first game on the road. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to make some changes. Right? Tempo's got to be up a little bit higher. They have to be a little bit more intense. D'Amico Ryans has led this team this far. There is not a whole lot of reason for me not to believe that D'Amico Ryans can't do it again. Um, so there, if there is one key to this game, it's the coaching, and it really comes down to what kind of stuff can D'Amico Ryans pull, out, pull from out of his sleeve again and stop a very high-powered Philadelphia offense. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a great point, Mitch, because I think you're right. This game comes down to coaching. These are very evenly matched teams, uh, very similar. Both of these franchises build through the trenches, and both teams dominate through the trenches, both on offense and on defense. Dominating run games built upon by good offensive line and defenses that apply pressure at the defensive line, allowing for secondaries to lock down. Right. And so in a lot of ways, this comes down to who wins that matchup at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, you could say that about basically any football game, Mitch, whoever wins the line of scrimmage wins. But in this game, when it's so evenly matched and nobody has a clear advantage, in my opinion, I do think that's what it's going to come down to. Can is it going to be the Eagles O line holding up against what is one of the best defensive lines and uh, the defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa? Or is it the Niners offensive line who I think has maybe more of a disadvantage holding up against a great Philly, a deep Philly front? And that will be interesting to see. I I do think you're right, though. Ultimately, this comes down to coaching. Kyle Shanahan is the one name, though, that I I am interested in because Mm. Shanahan at times has come up short in the playoffs and some of his decision making, some of his play calling in certain moments when they needed it has fallen short. I mean, that Super Bowl, they had a lead, they lost it. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons collapse, right? And we've seen him even in other playoff moments 
coming up short with some of those decision-making. Can he make the right decisions at the right times? Can he push on offense with his rookie quarterback the way that he needs to to win in this game? Uh, D'Amico Ryan's in that defense. I think you could rely on him to hold it down. So for me, that's going to be the matchup there. San Francisco's offense and Kyle Shanahan play calling versus uh, Jonathan Gannon in that Philly defense that is so deep and so talented. So uh, I think you're right. It feels very evenly matched. Stalemate, you use that word. This feels like a tight game. Yes, yes, 100%. 100%. Um, When it comes down to it, though, Philly minus two and a half over under set at 46. Give me San Francisco to cover plus two and a half. Okay. Give me the over. Give me the over 46. Um, This just, this, uh, this just screams a 29, 26 sort of game. I mean, that's just a, just a really tight, hard fought, hard nosed game. And um, I think that what what it's going to come down to, Dallin, is we're going to see some offensive outbursts from both teams. But whatever defense makes the big stand at the end of the game, that's going to be the difference maker. Put my confidence in D'Amico Ryans and the San Francisco hmm. 49ers. I like the Niners plus two and a half to cover. Wow. Yeah. And the over. Uh, listen, I get it. And uh, I know that you've been in on D'Amico Ryans and this Niners defense. I am a little surprised, though. Because before the season, you you were on the Eagles and you picked them as your NFC champ. And here they are, the NFC oh. championship game, hosting this game. So I nothing ha- looks so- wrong. And so I'm curious what has swayed you to the Niners. So I have some explaining to do. Sure. Um, I picked Philly and Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And I was getting prepared going into this year to take my victory lap and go, look, here we are, Philly, Buffalo. It's going to happen. It's all over. And then Buffalo lost. And I didn't have anything else to really stand on other than Philly. I'm not saying it's because my girlfriend's a San Francisco 49ers fan, but... I have seen things from San Francisco that make me believe that they can be the representative out of the NFC East. Okay. And as much as I like Philadelphia and as much as I'm still in on Philadelphia, there are things that just make me think, man, maybe they just come up a little bit short. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm at, I'm at that point. It's like I said, it's going to be close. It's going to be really tight, but I'm just buying into San Francisco at this point. So that's my justification for basically bailing on my April predictions. There is, we are not held to our May or August or even two weeks ago predictions by any means, right? We, I mean, this is a, you bailed on them last week. So this is a week by week game, right? I mean, that's just a fact of the matter is things change. We're not, you know, I, I just thought it was I thought it was curious because here they were, but I get it. Listen, Niners rolling. Niners are rolling, Mitch, but I am flying high with the Eagles. Fly, Eagles fly. I'm taking the Eagles in this one. I'm gonna take so you- them to cover the minus two and a half. And I will take the under in this one. I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. It's uh over under 46, so I will take the under here, like 
close, but under. In a defensive battle, the Eagles get it done. So I like my girlfriend, so that's why I'm picking the San Francisco 49ers. But you also just wrote an article earlier this year about why Philadelphia won't make it to the Super Bowl. No, if won't, they make won't won't win the Super Bowl. Keep okay, that so in mind. if they win, very the Super important Bo- distinction. I think they'll make it. I do not think they'll if win. They, if they win, will you write your apology blog? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You know, perfect. I, I love want it. You to I know, love it. Ben Dixon clan, if you're listening, any Eagles fans out there, if you're listening. I understand. Okay, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, I bet the next day, I yeah, you put it on the Monday after the Super Bowl, you will see an article on the Sports Hour website uh, with an apology for uh, my take. So there you go. You better if if it happens, <laughs> we'll be there. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'm rolling with the Eagles. Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. I feel it. Uh, fly Eagles, fly. Mitch, the AFC yeah. matchup here. Uh, is a great one. A rematch of the AAC championship game last year. In fact, bitch, three out of the four teams from championship Sunday last year are here again. The yeah. Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Niners. Only the Rams missing out this year. But uh, here we go. Back in Kansas City, Joe Burrow in the Bengals. 12-4 and four at number one, Kansas City, 14-3. and three. Mitch, uh, the line on this one is interesting. Okay. It started as Kansas City was favored minus one. Then uh, yesterday and earlier today, it was Cincinnati minus one as Mahomes and his injury. Uh, there were still questions about how healthy he would look. Today he practiced. This is We're recording this Wednesday, January 25th. He practiced. He said, I'm playing. I'm good to go, 100%. The line has now shifted to even. I bet you tomorrow on Thursday, Kansas City will be favored minus one. Maybe they even get to one and a half or two by the end of uh, the week before the game, but we the line is even now, so we're going to keep it even. So we're not going to pick, you know, who will cover. We're going to give you the pick and the margin of victory. Uh, so this will be a fun one, Mitch, because much like you said with the last matchup, this is such an even matchup of two teams that are very familiar with each other that played in this game a year ago, uh, a game that went to overtime, that had craziness, that the Bengals come back and win that one. And here we are again. Joe Burrow has never lost to Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs in his NFL career. Mm -hmm. So is that it? Is that what it comes down to is, well, he's never lost. So uh, that's it. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I just I look at this matchup, Mitch, and it just comes down to Burrow and Mahomes for me. These rosters are so good. The coaching staffs are great. The talent is all there. But these are two of the best quarterbacks in the league. They are arguably the two best quarterbacks in the league. So it comes down to who's elevating their team at the right moments, who's making the clutch plays when it's needed. And I, there's a reason why this game is even, because I don't know where to go there. I have no idea. I, I feel like this is such a split game. I don't know how you're feeling. If we thought the first game was tough, this is a oh yeah, significantly tougher game to pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, like this was this is like impossible to pick. Here's here's where I'm at with Cincinnati, and I think that Cincinnati's the, the important team to talk about here in this scenario is they cannot get ahead of themselves. Play ball the way you know how to play ball. Kansas City has been known to make mistakes consistently. I mean, they 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 get by with their talent in my mind. They Kansas City gets by with how talented they are. And they, they move past the mistakes that way. 
it doesn't work that way when it comes to playoff football. Mistakes are make or break, and they could absolutely end your season. We've talked about Joe Burrow being the the rock in the shoe, the thorn in the in Patrick Mahomes' side. Joe Burrow just cannot lose to Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes can't beat Joe Burrow. Give me the Bengals. Oh. By two. Wow. By two. Cincy by two. I'm talking 33-31. Give me the over. High-scoring affair. Joe Burrow pulls out another fourth-quarter comeback. I'm calling it right now. Joe Burrow is down a score with three and a half left, and he said they give them ball and said, "Hey, Shiesty, go do what you do," and he pulls another one off against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I like the Bengals in this one. Damn. Listen, I I said it earlier uh, when we were talking about the divisional round. the The Bengals just looked locked in right now, and a team very oh, comfortable yeah. with where they're at. And I think in this game, they are at a clear advantage Mitch besides the fact that Patrick Mahomes is hobbled with this ankle injury and we don't really know or may never know how much that's going to affect him on Sunday Uh, but he will be dealing with something it's not going to be a hundred percent we could assume but besides that Mitch this is a Chiefs team that blew it at home to this team a year ago in this game If anyone has to win this game, it's Kansas City. It's not the Bengals. It's not the road team here. I mean, they're coming in. They're cool. They're calm, collected. They're going to go in, and they're going to do their business. They're going to take care of the the things that they've done. The the onus is on the Chiefs in this game to right the wrongs from last year, to prove we we are better than this team. We can overcome a quarterback that's not 100% and playing at Superman levels to win and make it to the Super Bowl. That is going to be the task ahead for the Chiefs. The Bengals are at an advantage in that one, in my opinion. That being said, Mitch, I am going to roll with Mahomes and the Chiefs oh, in this you one. You front runner. This is such a good game. This is such a good game. The matchup's even, by the way. Don't call me a front runner. But I said before the playoffs... That the Chiefs were my Super Bowl favorite. I said it before the playoffs. The Chiefs are my Super Bowl favorite. I think they're going to get there. And they're going to win it. They just seem like a team on a mission. And despite Mahomes' injury, he'll find a way to pull off Mahomes' magic and get it done and avenge the loss from last year and make it back to the Super Bowl. Give me Kansas City. Give me Kansas City by four i'll say kansas city by four like 34 30 i'm gonna go over for sure on this one as well with you uh the line is like 47 uh you know even with a hobbled mahomes these guys are gonna i think score some points so i'm gonna say kansas city by four with the over and uh we have set we have completely different super bowl matchup predictions here coming out of the conference championship weekend you've got niners and Bengals in a rematch of a super bowl in the 80s I've got Philly, Kansas City, the Andy Reid Bowl. (laughs) Both his long stops, both his long tenures, 10 playoff wins with each franchise, and they'd face off in the uh, 
in the Super Bowl. I mean, either way would be great. I think no matter what we get out of this weekend, Mitch, uh, NFL fans are going to be in for a treat in the Super Bowl. These are all fantastic teams. These are going to be super tight matchups no matter who comes out of this. I cannot wait for this weekend. It might be the greatest weekend of football of all time. Mm. It might be. You know what? I'll call it right now. Greatest weekend of football of all time. Okay. Love it. Games of the year on both sides. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Can't wait. I hope so. Championship weekend is the best. I mean, uh, last year was fantastic. I'm sure we're going to be in for a treat here yet again. Uh, And uh, it's been a treat being here with you guys on the podcast. Uh, If you've been listening uh, live, watching live on YouTube and Twitter, we appreciate you sticking around if you're listening on the podcast feed appreciate you sticking around as we break down everything in in the world of sports here uh before we wrap up want to remind you guys uh to follow our social media channels got a lot of content going on there especially on the tiktok make sure to follow the tiktok if you're on there at the sports hour guys you can also follow the instagram at the sports hour guys to watch us live every wednesday if you don't do not already. You can watch us on Twitter. It's at Sports Hour Guys or on YouTube at the Sports Hour Guys. Check out the website for the written content, the sportshourguys.wordpress.com. Mitch, remind the people about Anchor. Anchor is the only place that you can become a permanent part of the conversation. Make sure that you get on anchor.fm slash the Sports Hour Guys. Leave us a voice message. If you want a question answered here on the show, Go on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys. You can see it right there on the ticker. If you're watching here, go ahead, leave a message. We'll play it live right here on the show and truly live now because we are live here on YouTube and Twitter. So it'll be a truly live question that you are asking here on the sports hour. We'll answer it. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to be a part of the conversation. Once again, that is anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys. Uh, if you're listening to this in the podcast form, you can get this wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Pat, Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. If you look up the Sports Hour guys, you will find us. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better, folks. So uh, we definitely invite you to do that. Uh, before we wrap up here, Mitch, I just want to give a special uh, birthday shout out to my dad. Uh, Dennis Graff turning the, the old 56 today. Congratulations, old man. Uh, how old's he turning? 56. 56. Suck! 56. Are you serious? 56 years young. Happy birthday yes. to my second father, my second yes. dad, Mr. Dennis Graff. Yeah, had to, had to give him a little birthday shout That's out right. there. You'll love to see it. Uh, well, and I and I love to shout out your dad whenever we can because this this guy has truly been like a second father figure to me. So, um, I love my father. My father is a great father figure, but uh, your dad was my dad away from home. So, mm. um, much love to Mr. Dennis. Uh, yes. happy birthday, sir. Be more like Sammy and David. Be more like Dennis and Christine. We can, That's uh, absolutely it. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So, guys. Life achievements, for- everybody. There you go. That's it for the podcast today. We uh, appreciate you sticking around again. Uh, man, next week should be fun. A lot more to get into. So until next time, we love you. We appreciate you. And we will catch you next week.
So long, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya! <laughs>